This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. My name is Rob Snow White, and this is my Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, episode 255. This is a recap of my brief road trip to Erie, Pennsylvania to fly fish the Erie Tribs on the Pennsylvania side of Steelhead Alley. For images and videos from this road trip, please visit my blog. You can find the link on my website, robsnowwhite.com. Please be sure to leave a review and throw some stars my way on iTunes. Thank you. Happy Boxing Week, everybody. What is going on? So let me fill you in with what I did over Christmas. So we lost Dr. Jones this year. He was my my little guy, our mini schnauzer. We got him in March of 2005. It's now December 2019. So he was almost 15. So the plan was about four months ago that I would stay here with Dr. Jones over the holidays instead of driving him to Columbus to be with the in-laws for a week where he wasn't very comfortable over July 4th because there's no carpet and he doesn't like hardwood or tiles. I should say past tense. He did not like hardwood or tile. So I decided to stay here with him. 
we'd have dudes week. And I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere because he needed a lot of attention. So he's gone. So what am I going to do with a free week with no wife and no kids around and potentially warm weather and just free time, right? So I decided I'm going to go check out Lake Erie, Pennsylvania Steelhead. Been reading about it for a long time. Been seen it on social media since social media was created. And even used to hear about it at Trout Unlimited meetings back in the day. Tom, who works at the Orvis store in Arlington, he used to talk about it back in the day at Northern Virginia Trout Unlimited. So I didn't really do a whole lot of research other than talking to other people. I didn't do a whole lot of research. I talked to TPFR Ethan, bumped into him at Gravely not too long ago, and then at District Angling. And that night, Ivan mentioned some steelhead and eerie to me and been talking to Ethan and then chatted some other people up and they're like, yeah, man, here's some spots. Why don't you go check it out? So I cross reference Google maps, or Google earth to some of the online maps you can find for Lake Erie fly fishing trips and then cross reference to the weather. The big deal breaker for me would have been if it was going to be below freezing. These are freestone waters, so they will ice over completely in wintertime. I'm used to fishing the Salmon River in New York, which is a tailwater which will flow relatively free, unless it's extremely cold, and then you can get some ice in there. It's not fun when it slushes up. But the Erie Tribs can freeze solid. We learned that with the Dan Priabonic podcast from Chagrin River Outfitters. So I packed up the car a day or two before Christmas Eve Eve, and that included six-weight switch rod, swapped out some Skagit heads, uh, eight weights, and the same flies I would take to New York. Crystal meth, sucker spawn, pheasant tails, stonefly, jumbo johns, worms, buggers, various intruders, and whatever else I just happen to have in my car because I'm using my guiding bag. So uh, dropper flies, wormies, HNICs, some eggs, damsels. Cree bugs, my normal repertoire. It's about a uh, six-hour drive. So the plan was Monday morning, drop the ladies off at National Airport. Those of you not from D.C. know it as Reagan Airport. And then come back here, switch cars, and my car would be all packed, and I would head straight up there and get there around dark. And it was a fairly easy drive. I can't complain. Uh, It was super easy going out of D.C. And then I got up to Breezewood, which to me is just a weird little town. And then I'm pretty sure I passed through Andrea Larco's neighborhood when I would, uh, when I drove through Indiana. Then I saw Yellow Creek sign, and I knew she fishes there, so I knew I was there. And I messaged her, and she confirmed I drove through her neighborhood-ish area. Get into Erie around five five thirty ish. Stop in a Fish USA to pick up a tippet spool because I swapped gear jackets, and my tippet was in my Gore-Tex raincoat. Head over to Walmart, go inside to get some provisions, come back out, decide I'm going to go to bed early. So I get in the sleeping bag on my bed built into the Xterra and uh, put some earplugs in and a buff over my eyes because it's Christmas Eve Eve and it is insanely busy. It was hard to find a parking spot just to sleep in the parking lot. So I go to sleep and it gets pretty cold around three in the morning. Turns out weather actually got below freezing. So I wake up and I got a defrost inside of the windows because they're all frozen now. And that was one of the main reasons I don't like driving and camping 
below freezing is because then you can't see out your windows most of the next day because of all the water droplets have dried up. So I gear up and I head down to Elk Creek. My plan is to fish my way from Elk Creek. Uh, so my plan is I'm going to drive from Elk and just go right towards New York and fish the popular streams that I've been hearing about for all these years. So I string up and the first place I get to, I, I can't really find parking or access. And I noticed the water is running high and it's kind of cloudy. It's got that glacial silt look to it. And I can't figure a place to fish out here. It's now Christmas Eve morning and it's pretty quiet around. I get in the car and I drive a bit and I end up at a gas station. So I stop in there and uh, get myself a morning Coke, ask for directions. I'm not a coffee person. I've always appreciated an ice cold Coca-Cola in the morning. In fact, I'm going to go grab myself a Coke right now. So I get there and we're at the gas station and there's people coming and going and waiters and there's all sorts of old hunting gear. There's, there's this, it just keeps going back and back and back. There's hunting and fishing and trapping and all sorts of things in there. Old fly tying equipment. And I look around a bit and I'm like, all right, uh, I'm sure y'all hear this every day, but is there somewhere you would suggest somebody going fishing around here? She says, well, to fish Elk Crick. And then I realized the word creek is pronounced crick up there. You're going up there for the first time and you don't know this. There's something you just learned like I did. So I get some directions to a public parking spot and I head out there. I get out of the parking lot, maybe three or four minute drive. Load up the backpack. I grab a can of chicorina soup I bought at Walmart. I got my stove. I got a spoon. And I got my little pan. I'm going to go upstream and I am going to heat up a pot of soup while I get my rod strung up. It's a new Skagit head. And I got to tie new leaders on. So as I'm walking upstream, I notice it's got some, some nice bends and tail outs and heads of runs and riffles and what looks deep. And there's some wide skinny spots. There's a lot of chunks of ice along the edge. There's a well-beaten path. So I walk up maybe 10 minutes or so and I find a nice little beach below a riffle and above another one. So I've got the head and the tail of a pool in one small section. There's a wall on the far side. There should be a deep hole along there where it's been eroded out and I can swing flies through that deep water, bottom bounce some nymphs, see if I can drag up a fish from the bucket of this hole. And as I'm heating up my soup and eating it and tying on my leaders, there's I'm watching a guy downstream spin fishing. He's not getting anything. I got the place to myself. It's fantastic. It's Christmas Eve. I start losing flies really quickly and I'm going up and down this hole and I'm switching out everything. And I, for some reason, I'm just losing more flies here than I find acceptable. And after about an hour of this, I noticed that the sun's come up a little bit more and you can see that that hole's not really as deep as I thought it was and that it's fairly shallow with some weird drop-offs in it. And the one thing I've learned about the geology up there is it's basically like pancakes stacked on top of each other and just pieces of road and it just looks like little itty bitty staircases everywhere. So there are 90 degree angles about every five millimeters or so in this water in every direction. It looks like a topographic map close up. Lots of little pieces. I decided to bag it. I'm going to go downstream. And instead of swinging flies, which I've been losing all morning, I'm going to put on a bacon fly and lob out there and swing and pop it through some of these holes and along some deep spots in shore. 
There's a group of about six guys now downstream from me up on the ledge looking down using a float with what I'm assuming is probably egg sacs below it. They're not hooking anything. It's fairly chilly. And I forgot to mention that beach where I was set up earlier was all kind of uh, like a black fine sand, almost like you would have in a, a lava beach, maybe in Hawaii or something, volcanic-like. It's very fine, gritty gravel sand. Got into everything. Looks like that black stuff when you're on AstroTurf now and you kick it up, the black crumblies that come up, that's what it looked like. Now I'm down river and I'm standing in the water and I'm getting hit by these big two-inch chunks of ice and there's more broken off, odd-shaped rocks and the water looks like it should be holding fish and I'm not getting anything. So I move downstream and hang out with some other anglers and someone downstream from us hooks a steelhead, lands it, puts it on a stringer. They're using bait, I'm assuming. I decide to call it here. Now it's maybe only, it's maybe one o'clock. I've been fishing since nine. So I decide I'm going to go check out Walnut Creek because if Walnut is no good, then I'll come back to Elk on Christmas Day, which my plan is everyone's going to be opening presents and drinking on Christmas morning. No one's going to be out fishing because the only people that go out are someone like me who does not celebrate Christmas. And I know it's hard for some people to understand, but Christmas to us is just another day. It's unfortunately a day where just about everything is closed and you can't really get anything done except to go out for Chinese food and to the movies. And people are always amazed when you say, no, I just want to go fishing on Christmas. And they're like, but what about your family? I'm like, my family wants to do their own thing. It's not a special day for us. Tom and I used to fish every Christmas back in the day because he too was Jewish. And we would go off on Super Bowl Sunday, New Year's Day, and Christmas Day to go fishing because those were the quiet days on the trout streams out here. So let me get back to him driving over to Walnut, and I've got a spot I was given. And I pull in, and there's about four or five cars. And I see people all set up, lined up in a row in this one spot. I'm like, all right, these are probably just typical, I don't know, lazy steelhead anglers that just don't want to walk far from the parking lot. So I go down and I fish below them. At this point, I think I've got on a chartreuse bugger. If you follow me on Instagram, it was the sight casting bugger. We were going to use below a four-mile run a couple weeks ago, but the wind blew most of the water out and not the ideal water I want to be guiding on if I'm going to teach someone how to fish a spot. Fourth or fifth cast in, a fish comes out from underneath one of these eroded cut shells, grabs the fly, and I miss the hook set. Because I'm using an 11-foot rod in maybe a four or five-foot wide, foot-deep creek now. It's water's a lot skinnier, and it's crystal clear. So I missed this, the hook set, and I said, I'm going to go up above these guys, go for a walk, get away from everybody. And people are standing a foot off a shore, dragging flies and lures and bait through holes that just... Didn't look very sporting to me. So I decided I'm going to hike up. And I just keep following footprints in the snow as I go uphill. And I get to a big tree snag in the water. And I try to step around it. And two huge fish, steelhead size looking fish, dart out, swim upstream, never saw them again. I continued to walk upstream and fish holes for another 15 to 20 minutes. It was in the trees. It was getting... No sunlight. It was pretty cold in there. That snow was not melting. And I fished every kind of run, deep pocket. It appeared there were no fish and no one else up there. And I took that as a clue. So I went back down to fish the parking lot stretch again with all the other people. 
and found a spot to myself and finally was able to see below a shelf. So the other shelf was going parallel to the current where the fish darted out. This one was perpendicular, so it was a drop-off. And right below that lip were about five or six big fish that I assumed to be browns and steelhead just based on the size. And I swung everything at them. Purple squiggly wormies, sucker spawn, eggs, taz, large eggs, small eggs. I noticed there's brown trout eggs spilled all over the beaches and, and parking lot around there. So there's probably some eggs in the water too. Nothing. There's also a weird thing. There were carnations littered all over the place. Don't know why. So as soon as my hands start getting cold, it's about 3, 3.30 now, I figure these fish, I've thrown pretty much everything at them. They're not even going to bite out of aggression. I don't know what their deal is. So my plan now is this water's clear. I know there's fish there. I can see them. And hopefully all these people here are going to be asleep in the morning and not out here. So my plan is I'm going to go back to... Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Walmart parking lot, get some food, hang out, rehydrate, put some Gatorade in me, and check out some maps and some other online things about the water levels and locations and cross-reference the maps to the Google Maps and find some other spots in that area to fish tomorrow. But the plan is I'm going to be there first thing. I ended up going back, getting some provisions. I'm a big fan of the purple Gatorade. And the night before at Walmart, I had accidentally purchased low calorie. So I had to go back and get regular. And there is a woman from Ukraine. We started a conversation because I recognized her accent. It was it was like from uh, the motherland. And she was from Crimea. So we were discussing some politics. And then she said, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just getting some stuff to go fishing tomorrow. She's like, what about family? And I'm like, lady, we're Jews. We left that area a long time ago because we're Jews. That's why we're in America. We don't do Christmas. And she's like, but family. I'm like, lady, my family's having a great time in Columbus without me. And I'm like, another person that I got to explain, Christmas to some people just is another day. It's a day to go fishing. So I go back. I watch. I don't know what I watched. Probably Mandalorian. And I got a really good long 12 plus hours of sleep in that car. I woke up early. It's freezing cold. Everything was frozen again. Had to defrost the contact lenses. Get the car going. Takes a while to warm up at Xterra. Defrost the windows. And head up to Walnut Creek. It's about a five minute drive. And I get to the parking lot. And lo and behold, there's about six cars there. And it's bumper to bumper. There are people all over the place. So what I do is I go below them. I Want to go to the spot where I was fishing over that ledge the night before Christmas Eve wasn't happening. People were already there. And I see there's a guy with a giant water tank on the back of his pickup truck and he's getting a bucket of water from the water. So I ask what he's sampling. He says, I'm not sampling water. I am taking brown trout to put in my backyard pond. He says, anybody who's catching brown trout, they're just giving them to me. And you can pretty much follow a trail of eggs all the way from 
the creek to his car because these things were spitting eggs the whole way. And he was there. I probably was there for an hour and a half. And the guy was there the whole time. Probably got three or four fish. So as I'm fishing, I'm starting to notice there's more fish in this specific spot than anywhere else on the creek I was yesterday, which is next to a parking lot. And I'm starting to talk to people around, and it seems like these are not migratory steelhead that swam up river. These are parking lot dumped stocked fish to entertain people that want to park, walk a short distance and catch a fish. These fish are all holed up in these little pools together, probably scared to death. It just didn't seem sporting to me, lined up shoulder to shoulder with people. More people were showing up, so I guess other people had plans to fish on Christmas morning That when other people would be out. At this point, I started going from bottom bouncing to using an indicator. And I'm not a big indicator guy for trout unless it's a dry fly indicator. And especially if I'm fishing for steelhead, I like to swing, not drift a bobber. So this is starting to lose its appeal that it's parking lot stocked fish with a bunch of people. And I thought I'd have solitude. The water's much more clear and you can see things. I may have gotten one nibble, but to me, this is not what I drove six hours to do. It's not fun. There are people on one inch deep gravel bars fully decked out with complete fly fishing gear and they're casting the hatchery fish. Now, granted, the steelhead are hatchery, but different lifestyle. These things have been out and got a little tougher and came back. So I'm like, I'm going to drive downstream now, and I'm going to go see if I can find some more fish in the map locations I'd saved the night before. So I get to one spot, and I park, and I it's a public access, and I hike in, and I'm like, great, there should be fish all over this. Big, deep holes, nothing. So I ended up walking a good 25 to 30 minutes downstream on walnut the water was as clear as tap water you could see if anything was in a hole i discovered there was not a single fish except one minnow that i found this entire stretch so the fish upstream were they steelhead that swam through here because it and brown trout that came up from the lake because it doesn't look like anything has gotten stuck in any of these pools between the mouth of the creek and that specific spot I was fishing. And I keep walking and walking and eventually call it after maybe 40 minutes, realizing that there is no other fish in this river that I know of except those parking lot stockies. So I'm either thinking that Lake Erie steelheading is a sham. I've been fooled this whole time. There's only parking lot stocked fish. The water's so low, nothing's come through in a super long time. Or maybe I missed everything. I don't know. Or maybe there was a die-off. Something. Got to figure out a reason why there's no fish in here. As an analytical angler, these are what you do. So I decide I'm going to head to the mouth. I'm working my way downstream trying to find the answer to this mystery. And check some more spots. Ended up on a trail talking to a woman. And she's like, go to the mouth. You'll see lots of people down there. They might be able to give you a spot to fish. So I get back in the car and now I've been walking for about an hour and a half and the walk out was more of a hike than, you know, just gingerly walking down the stream. So I put away another 32 ounces of purple Gatorade. I go down to the mouth and I get there and there's three people fishing. One guy in the actual mouth of Walnut and I ask him a question. He just looks at me and grunts. 
Like, okay, you could be an ornery dude on Christmas. Maybe you just want to have time yourself. And then you've got this little cove where you would put boats in before you can take them out into the lake. And it's 98% frozen over, and there's two guys independently fishing from each other. I'm assuming this because there's now four cars in the lot, and there's four anglers. I asked the first guy what he might be fishing for in there, and he looks at me, and he's like, I'm, huh. I'm like, wow, this is bizarre. The third guy seems to be some Eastern European and doesn't want to be spoken to at all. So I'm just getting weird vibes from these guys. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead now to Elk Creek, and I'm going to try again. I'm going to start at the mouth and move up. Figured walnut, not my thing. Maybe it needs more water. I timed it wrong, something. Or there's been a big joke, and they took all the fish out before I got there, like I'm going on a snipe hunt. So I drive down to Elk Creek, and it's really cold driving down there between the streams. It's all orchards and farms and vineyards and farm stands and little mom and pop restaurant and bars. There was one fly shop that was closed down. It's very flat driving. There's some train tracks that cut across. They're perpendicular to the streams. Just kind of wide open and quiet. It was really quiet there, which I did enjoy. So I decide while I'm driving, it's about 15 minute drive. What am I gonna do if I get there and there's no fish? How about Got a good night's sleep. I fished for a day and a half now. Why don't I just head home in like 40 minutes? I figure it's Christmas. The roads are empty. There's going to be more people the day after Christmas on the road going to return all their presents or just driving home from the holidays. So I decide I'm going to go fish the mouth of elk and then I'm going to take off. And I get down to elk and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to fish the mouth because it was pretty boring on the other one. I'm just going to go to the same spot as yesterday. And I get down there. I'm all suited up. And I just, at this point, uh, I've been fishing my six weight because I didn't want to lug the 11 foot rod on that big hike down the stream. And I was just going to chuck bacon flies. So I should say now I grab my risen fly six weight ITB out of the rods. I call it guides day off rod. It's always in the car. It's strung up usually with like a popper and a worm. So I've got my bacon fly on there now. And the split shot has slid down. There are tag ends on every leader connection and where the fly is tied on with the two split shot. And I get down there and I'm fishing and the water is a little more clear but cold. So it, it, it was below freezing each night, never really warmed up enough during the day, but the ice chunks were gone. And I start walking upstream as I'm fishing and there's like one guy out there spin fishing, I ask if he minds if I'm encroaching. He says, it's fine. We start talking a bit and he says, to, he points to a tree and he says, hey, under that tree right there, there's going to be a drop off and there's going to be a stacked up, but they're going to be really cold. And I start talking to this guy and I'm like, all right, he seems to be a little bit more informed than anybody that was willing to talk on the river the last two days. So we start talking. Turns out he lives three miles from there. He ties the flies for the gas station. And he knows this water, like the back of his hand and this hole. So we're talking and I'm like, I need to get you on the podcast. Like, let's, let's record sometime. And while we're talking, I'm now just in conversation and I am just swinging the bacon fly through, taking a little half step upstream after each couple of casts. And then the line stops and I feel a little 
And then I set the hook and the fish takes off. I'm in with steelhead on Christmas. This is the one reason I came up here. And I am pretty excited. He's like, yep, you got yourself a steelhead out of there. It was big and it was heavy. And I've never hooked, I've never hooked a steelhead on a nine foot six weight before. So this was a little bit of a challenge with a small old reel on it. And I tightened down the drag as the fish started pulling out line. And about the third run it made, I finally got it in close enough where it came up to the surface, where it came up to the surface and I got to see the colors on it. This fish had a crimson band down the side to it with a small kipe and this olive back and just this ruby red operculum cheek to it. And I started shouting, this is the prettiest steelhead I've ever caught. It runs a couple more times and I get it in and I'm definitely undergunned, but I've got 2X tippet on and this rod's hooked some pretty big fish in the past. So I'm confident we're going to land the steelhead. Joe ends up netting it for me and we go and take a bunch of pictures and the sun is right over his shoulders, take a whole bunch of pictures. And at some point um, I offer the fish to Joe to take home. And if you know us from ever coming to our house, for those who are our friends of ours and have been guests, you know that we love to entertain and the greatest thing you can do is to give somebody a meal. And if you can't cook for somebody, at least you can give them something that they can make their food with. And I was able to gift that steelhead to Joe for his Christmas dinner, hopefully. I think that's what he said he was going to cook. Or give it to a friend of his and they were going to cook it that night. That enabled me to take some extra liberty with photographing it, filming it on shore, on rocks. It's one of the few times you'll ever see me post pictures of fish on rocks anymore. I definitely feel bad that this... I took a steelhead's life, but it was for a good cause and... From what I hear about the numbers of fish that come out of there from Joe, that one fish that day is not going to make much of a dent at all based on what he can pull out and his clients and friends can do on a good day. He explains the Walnut Creek was super low, and so definitely fish probably hadn't come up there in a while. Uh, we went over the water qualities and conditions between the two rivers. We talked about the rocks where the steelhead was hanging out. I decided that was it. I'm driving home and I'm going to check my phone to see what time that was. So let's check the timestamp. And I'm going to just describe that. That fish was just, I, I never caught a more colorful steelhead. If that's the last steelhead from the Great Lakes I ever catch, I will be completely happy. If that steelhead is the last fish I ever were to catch, I would be completely happy. So the timestamp is uh, Wednesday, Christmas Day at 1.13 p.m. And my gosh, I just, I've never caught a prettier steelhead. Huge white mouth on it. Speckled olive back. No spots from the lateral line below. It's one of those things you'll notice about steelhead. They don't have spots below the lateral line where rainbow trout do. So I ended up, I ended up saying goodbye to Joe and thanking him for Taking my picture, we exchanged handshakes. He walked off with the fish. I went back to my car, got it, and took off. It was a five and a half hour estimated drive from Elk Creek to Fairfax. I can tell you that I did not see one single police officer in that entire time 
between Pennsylvania and D.C. on a median or a speed trap. I saw two cops in Maryland, lights on, going up to 70. That was it. There were no police officers. There was no traffic. I'm going to tell you I'm breaking up with sheets. My Christmas Eve meal was awful. The bread was super thick and spongy. They didn't put any ketchup on my cheesesteak or get the proper type of bread on Christmas Day. So that's three dodgy sandwiches in a row from them. Sheets are breaking up with you with sandwiches. Um, And I am back here in Virginia. It's been in the 50s. I'm waiting for a sofa to get delivered. We're going to put a couch in our kitchen because people just like to hang out while we're cooking and entertaining. So in addition to the bar stools here and the armchairs, we're now going to have a three-seater sofa bed. So it's warm, and I am going to be tying flies, getting ready for the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. That was an awesome trip. I can't believe that I got a Christmas steelhead. I was gone for two half days almost, and it was like I was never gone. I thoroughly enjoyed my trip to Lake Erie. Didn't think I'd be getting there anytime soon. So I can tell you that there's not as much public access as there are on the Ohio or New York uh, tribs and the Salmon River, New York. The fly shops were kind of scattered, but there was the one right on Elk Creek that has provisions and food and drinks. So it's basically urban fly fishing, but with steelhead mixed in. And the two types of rivers definitely had different types of sediment and rock. So find that pea-sized gravel, find the deep holes, find the slow walking water. And hopefully you bump into a fishy person like Joe sometime that will help you net a fish. And Joe's name is Joe Greasebaum, and you can buy his flies. He showed me his halo fly, which is a really cool looking type of sucker spawn made out of a very dense type of mylar. And they're three for $10, I believe, right now. Joe Elk Creek Sports Store. You can buy his flies there. So, Joe, thank you. And if you know Joe, give him a high five. Tell him you heard him on the podcast. He also had a really cool jig fly. And he also just posted on Facebook about making a breakfast pizza with biscuit dough. So that's even inspired me more. But go check out his Lake Erie Shiner. It's the one that is the kind of fish that freezes and that white death is based off of. There were plenty of those dead white fish along the shorelines, too. Um, I'm just trying to give you as much information as I can remember. So that's it. That's a quick trip to Lake Erie. Hope you all have a great new year. And I will hope to see you at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival second weekend of January, which is followed by a January beer tie featuring Orvis's 5050 on the water movie by NCCTU. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.